Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy senior reporter, Hillary Milnes, and this week we're running a special series in honor of New York Fashion Week. With me today is the designer, Audra Noyce. Hi, Audra. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. So we are right ahead of New York Fashion Week, actually. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your strategy? I was actually just working on a story about all the different uh, approaches designers are taking to the runway, to the not runway, different seasons, etc. Um, are you showing on the runway this year? No, this season for for fall, I've decided to um, not necessarily show in a traditional format, but um, instead take private appointments with key market editors, key fashion directors, um, and key just kind of brand ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So why is that? Um, I felt that there's so much noise. And as a young brand, um, for me, it's most important to first be wise with my finances and my budget, and also to take the opportunity to build really authentic relationships with these key influencers in the industry. And I think through the private appointments and then through follow-ups with them, we I, I get to know not only what they liked in my product, but just who they are and what, mm-hmm. what they're about. Um, and I find that I'm able to express my inspiration and then obviously the finishings, the fit, all of that much stronger through private appointments versus a runway or a presentation style. Mm-hmm. And when you say influencers, do you mean the social media stars that are um, omnipresent at Fashion Week now? <laughs> yeah, um, I think also just influencers in terms of people influencing, you know, the industry today. So that can go from a social media platform or it could go for, for to, you know, the head of Women's Wear Daily or a director at Elle, it, you know, kind of all spheres, people mm-hmm. that are really able to tell the story of a brand and help, you know, kind of move the needle for, for an emerging brand. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you want to get you mentioned a little bit about building relationships. What mm-hmm. else do you want to get out of it then? Um, when, Especially when you're sort of taking it out of the public eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we've heard so much about how much of a spectacle, a customer-facing spectacle uh, fashion shows have become. And some brands like a Tommy Hilfiger have really run with that and, and mm-hmm. capitalized on it. Why for you do you find more of a benefit of you know kind of going behind closed doors? Yeah, I think it allows the opportunity to tell my inspiration and to tell the mission of my brand, which as a younger brand... Um, that's really important that the message is clear and that I can really get that across and then they can continue that message forward. Mm -hmm. And I think also um, like a Tommy Hilfiger has such a big platform. So that show is a great marketing expense. But at the end of the day, the buyer has to come to the showroom or the editor's coming to the showroom to see the product again. And so for me, it's kind of eliminating that immense marketing expense. It's focusing on the product and how the product hangs and how it fits and and what the story is then behind the designs first Mm -hmm. and putting that as the priority. Right. Because I'm sure, can you just break down a little bit what it was like when you were doing the runway show? Like how long in advance were you planning? Did it feel like you kind of had to run two shows with like designing the collection and also putting on this production. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it just costs so much money. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I initially, when I launched my brand, which is like eight, nine seasons ago, I did runway. And I think that that was too much of a priority because you're worried about fit on a model versus hanger appeal. You're worried about casting the right girls and getting 18 makeup artists and hair artists and getting the backstage set up and the producers and getting the right influencers or the editors in the front row. When really at the end of the day, 
Um, it's how the product hangs on the hanger. It's what woman it's selling to and why she, she's attracted to it and why it appeals to her. And, and you know, um, what's setting your brand apart? Cause there's hundreds of brands, you know, mm-hmm. launching every fashion week. So I think for me, you know, after, after showing for the first time in that format, I felt like there, I needed to bring more intimacy to, to the presentation. So whether it be through private appointments or it be through, you know, one-on-ones, I think that that's where you can really set yourself apart from all the noise. Right. And it's, it's kind of funny to think about it because you look at the fashion show today, it's such a consumer event, but you're saying that the reason you're not doing the runway show is because you want to focus on the line itself being commercial friendly and and really appealing to the consumer you have in mind. So how do you balance those two? Like, do you feel like you're at all missing out on anything in terms of getting the items in front of the customer by, by doing private appointments or that comes later? Yeah, I think that, um, First and foremost, I have to focus on building the business and that, of course, through social media, we have the the opportunity to engage our consumer directly, which is really exciting. Um, but until we build that platform, you know, we have to go through other channels to deliver our message to a larger, larger audience. And we can do that through, I don't know, being on a Vogue.com review or being in an L feature. And so I think those private appointments are nurturing those conversations stronger than being one of many presentations or runways. Um, And I think that for my consumer specifically, like if I'm going direct to her, she's not as much on Instagram or on social media and she might not be in New York to come to the shows. So I'm able to engage with her in a better way, I think through a newsletter or through letters or email or go to her directly and see go to those cities and so um and then through the sales showroom for the wholesale side of it you know I think that that needs to be more of a priority right now for my business so focusing like I said kind of on more of the hanger appeal than the like even though the lookbook's important it's all about the product at the end of the day yeah it still sounds like a very direct to consumer strategy uh which which raises the question did you consider an in-season model yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's such an interesting model and I did consider it. I think it, it presents a lot of challenges for young brands when we're still testing out where is our niche? What is that product that everyone comes to Audra for? And I think that it's it, it's a big risk. And so as a, you know, as a newer brand, I think it's really important that we minimize our risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to invest in inventory that we're not sure how a customer is going to respond to is really challenging. Right. Whereas when we show in this format of, you know, wholesale, taking wholesale orders now to ship six months from now, I'm able to tweak things or adjust little things that really make it fitting to the consumer. Um, and so I think right now that that model is great for bigger brands, but it's really a challenge for us smaller, smaller gals. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that goes to show just like, I feel like we're almost over estimating the amount that the the regular customer is really watching these fashion mm-hmm. shows. Like mm-hmm. if you're a, a casual fashion fan, you, you're going to see like the Tommy Hilfiger's, the Calvin Klein's. But when it comes to these smaller brands that people are, are into and they want to discover, it's you can, almost can't compete with that noise. I think that's that's what you're what you're getting at. Yeah, I think that Yes, at the end of the day, on Instagram, there's so much noise. During Fashion Week, there's so much noise. So even if I did a show, who's to say that I'm going to be the one featured on the right Instagrams and the right feeds on the right hashtags? And so you can spend hundreds thousands of dollars and and not even the right people will see it. Right. So I think, you know, um, for me, it was really about, okay, well, we could do a project later. You know, like we could do a photo shoot later once we know 
what are the kind of champions of the collection Mm -hmm. and get the women in them that inspire my brand. But right now it's better to get that initial feedback from the editors, get, get, get sales, get the stores in front of it, see what they're really responding to, and then make sure that whatever content we're creating post that is really supporting those first, you know, those priorities there for our business. Right. And, and so before you started your own brand, you were at a few different uh, fashion labels. Is yeah. that right? Can you tell us um, what was the, the set the stage for what it was like at the time? Was it a very more like cut and dry? You everyone did the fashion show a lot more straightforward. Yeah. I mean, I was very fortunate to work for, for two big houses. So I worked at L'Envan and then at Galliano. So of course you get a little spoiled because they are doing obviously beautiful shows and they have the team to kind of support that, that show, which is fantastic to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's so much to take on and you really have, if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. And so at L'Envan, obviously they did it right at Galliano as well. Um, and it really showed me what I aspire to do and, um, what is the beauty of runway and presentations and why we have fashion week. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course with that name, they're going to lure all the right people and they're going to lure, um, the right buyers and the right energy to really cultivate the the right response to mm-hmm. that. And so at the time when you were at these, at these houses, were you, did it ever occur to you that one day when you had your own brand, you wouldn't need a fashion show? No, <laughs> I, I think that's why when I launched, I was like, we're doing a fashion show. It was mm-hmm. just like what was normal for mm-hmm. me and maybe a little naive, you know, um, when I first launched, even though I, I don't regret anything and it was beautiful, I think it was a little bit naive, you know, to do it right off the bat because at the end of the day, it's all about the right people seeing it mm-hmm. and about the right stores buying it mm-hmm. um, and putting that as a priority before all of these kind of extras. They're, they're fantasy and they're whimsical and I think they're very appealing and alluring to have the shows, but they're not essential to the business. Mm-hmm. And so as a kind of a young entrepreneur, I had, you know, you have to strip down and really focus on the essentials. Yeah. So in the private appointment, um, setup, how do you, how do you make sure that the right people come, especially since it is during fashion week? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, we hear from that brands like Alexander Wang are moving to June and December. Uh, like it's almost like a breath of fresh air, like, Oh, we're free. Like, did you, did that cross your mind at all? It just feels like everyone has all these options in front of them and it must be really hard to decide what's going to pay off for the business. Yeah, for sure. I think it is really challenging for me, of course, having the right support and the people around your brand to bring in input and strategy is really helpful because I don't know it all. Uh, So you have to find the right team to support those decisions and to bounce ideas off of them. And, you know, our team really decided on showing early. Mm -hmm. Um, So before the noise, even though they were already stressed out, you know, we, we really wanted to get the product done early. I shot it early so that I had images to show them. And, you know, we showed yesterday and the day before so that it was before fashion week started. Okay. And I think, you know, as, as a, a newer brand to the, to the, in, in, to the field or to the world, you have to really set yourself up for success in any way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like one way we were able to set ourselves up for success was to get our materials done early, get them hanging early, get them shot um, and make sure you have all those materials done right. Yeah. Before the exhaustion sets in. Yeah. It seems like people were already exhausted <laughs> uh, though. Yeah, they're exhausted <laughs> just thinking about it. They're like yeah. starting. Uh, so, but it sounds like it's interesting because we were talking so much about how everything's changing, but it sounds like you know, as a young brand, it's a very, still a very traditional setup. You don't have a fashion show, but you're targeting um, the wholesale buyers, the editors, and then showing in the traditional season. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of the wholesale models still? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think direct to consumer is the is the hot phrase um, and, and that customer relationship has become so important, but mm-hmm. 
it's a lot. It's not like flipping a switch. You can't just go from wholesale to direct retail entirely overnight. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've had the capacity in my business to kind of grow both at the same time, which is great. But I think wholesale for me um, is always essential because it builds content. It builds the story. Mm-hmm. It builds brand awareness. And so as one person, I, I cannot be in 10 cities, you mm-hmm. know, but my product can hang in beautiful stores in 10 cities and, you know, create that awareness and create that story and create that world, I think. And that's really important. And then the direct-to-consumer allows, um, I think, to inform your design, inform your fit, inform your product choice. And you, when you have that dialogue with the women, you're able to really design appropriately and smart and smart for them Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think as a young brand it's been really important for me to have my foot in both um, and to grow both I think is my price points you know designer price points so we start about like 500 so online's challenging Mm -hmm. unless you're on a -a net-a-porter or Bergdorf's if you're just on your own e-commerce I mean that's a very challenging price point to invest in so I think my, my model has, we have to keep that wholesale as like a focus. Right. And so, and so does the state of like department store worry you at all when you talk about the context? Because it's on one hand, on one hand, it's, it's absolutely valid. Like mm-hmm. it's just about the awareness, but you know, we're watching other brands kind of reconsider because the department stores themselves are struggling so much. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely worries me. And I, I've, that's why I have shifted, you know, to keep my priority both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wholesale is definitely a priority and I have a great showroom, but I'm also, you know, able to sell direct to consumer with building my own e-commerce because I see that struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we are, you know, I, I, I hope this is what I hope is there's a kind of a split product is so easily accessible online. You know, everyone wants, you know, Amazon terms, we click it's there the next day. And as a young brand, that's also really challenging mm-hmm. to do the direct to consumer model. Yeah. So th- there's kind of challenges on both fronts. But I would say that the luxury boutiques, at least where I'm sitting, are really thriving because mm-hmm. they they know their consumer, they're buying appropriately for their consumer. And there's an intimacy there. Mm-hmm. And I think with my direct to consumer, there's still that intimacy. And that's one advantage I have um, kind of above a bigger brand or above a department store right. is that opportunity to work directly with me or directly with um, whether it be a store owner. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And so you're also a mentor. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so you're in a position, are you, is it student designers or, or designers that are just starting out? Yeah. So this season I'm mentoring, I'm one of the style lab mentors at SCAD um, and Brock Collection, Lauren, Chris are the others. Um, and I'm really excited to get my hands dirty with them. So we have like, I've chosen eight, de- um, eight designers, students that will nurture them through their process of their final collection and then showing in May in the show. Mm-hmm. And so what's your biggest priority when you're talking to them? I think, you know, everything we just said really goes to show how many decisions designers are faced with today, as well as um, just like tasks that they didn't have before, like running a direct to consumer site, Mm -hmm. as well as a network of wholesale uh, boutiques. So where to even begin telling them, (laughs) teaching them your ways? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's really important for, for me to encourage their unique voice. I mean, in the market, what what I want to see like when I first see a student and then carried on in the industry is like a newness is their own point of view. We don't need the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I love to bring out in them their inspiration and kind of their raw creativity. And then you can always funnel that down into something wearable or a product that's accessible. But I also encourage them to really think about their consumer. Think about the end wearer um, to think, uh, you know, is that fabric going to feel comfortable? Is Mm -hmm. a woman going to want to wear 
a one leg boot that's all sewn onto the pant, you know, like really, really challenge them to think about that. Cause at the end of the day, I think for me product that's wearable and still alluring and still new is what is the best product. Does it feel like standards are higher for designers that are just starting out today? Like if you're going to add something to the market, it has to be this, this much better because people are thinking about sustainability. They're thinking about the brand story. Uh, they're, they're looking for brands they connect with and they're, you know, they might be looking for clothing that can do things for them in a, on a wearable level. So, so how do you even, you know, begin to uh, start that conversation with them? I think it's really challenging, you know, to be a brand. There's so many brands out there and there's so many names and voices. And for me, I think it's about, um, and obviously then you have like the whole fast fashion side, which is just like, there's so much of it. Um, for me, it's about emotional product for sure. Um, so I think product that's done well and that's done with an emotion behind it and a Mm -hmm. point of view that's going to set it apart and that's going to make it desirable for this market. Um, but if it's just a jacket for a jacket's sake, we don't need that. Um, so I, I really challenge them to, um, to seek that in their product, what, you know, to, to have their inspiration be translated into details or finishings or fabrics or a drape, whatever it happens to be. And I think that the brands that are doing that, that are not only creating that through their product, but through their social media, through their stories, through their shows, whatever it happens to be, those are the ones that you're seeing really set apart mm-hmm. from the others. Right. And and so where do you see this all headed? Uh, I'm sure your brand is, you're, you're in it for the long haul. Uh, does it feel like right now we're in a, a tumultuous point of, of change and then it's all going to, the dust is going to settle and, and we're going to actually see what the new like world order is for the fashion calendar or is it just all kind of going to go back to normal or is it all overblown? What, yeah. what do you see? That's a really good question because <laughs> my, my fall collections inspired by seasons of uncertainty and I feel our industry is really on the nose. season of uncertainty. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, it's a little bit of we'll have to see. And unfortunately, a lot of people that like my mentors are kind of like, you know, trying to test the waters and the, people are suggesting different things and no one really knows what's going to work. Um, I think for me, it's about, you know, sustaining. And so therefore you, you have to take choices that lower your risk and help you sustain. You have to make choices that maybe aren't ideal as a creative, but they're beneficial as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are tough. And so I think surrounding yourself with the right people who can help speak into those and that you really trust and they can be an advocate for your brand is where, um, is where I'm able to kind of then thrive, you know, in that. Does right. that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so do you think that the is Fashion Week dead? No. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that when when um, I was coming in here, and I think that the change in schedules is really challenging for young brands because we don't know then if the key buyers and the key editors are actually going to come during the time that we're here and what happens then. We don't have the money to go to ten different cities and jump around right. ten times a year and. Um, but I don't think it's dead. I think that there is a need and a desire for art. And in the end, kind of fashion week, these shows are art and they're creative and they're whimsical and they're alluring. And I think we need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we lose that, then of course, fashion in the end is a business, but we need that to to inspire mm-hmm. um, and to drive the consumer. Mm-hmm. It feels like it'll still, it'll remain, but you almost have to keep like one one foot on the ground in terms of making sure that it's you can go all out with the fashion show but you have to make sure you have a viable business strategy behind it (laughs) for sure absolutely I think you have to make sure that 
that is a marketing expense, but it's not the only thing you're doing to, to keep your business afloat, you know? And I think that the brands that are doing it, that are doing it with such a beautiful point of view, those are what inspire us young brands to keep going so we can get there one day. Right. Does it yeah. almost feel like the carpet was like pulled out under you, like right as you were getting started? Yeah, it's it was it's a really weird time. I feel like if I had started my brand like five years prior, it would have been a lot easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, you know, I think you're at an advantage when you are, can see the change clearly from the beginning, and it's not like you have all these legacy systems in place. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting, and it, I think an opportunity for us voices, you know, the new brands that are starting to be the ones who kind of shape and mold this new system, mm-hmm. and kind of you know, a different designers rising up and saying, "I'm not going to show and be." kind of constrained by this tight, you know, demanding time schedule of showing four seasons a year, whatever it happens to be. Um, You know, I'm seeing brands show they're ready to wear in their couture together or showing only during couture. And um, I think that we as designers, we have to make sure we have balance because otherwise the whole creation suffers. And if the Mm -hmm. creation suffers and the brand suffers, why are you doing it? (laughs) Exactly. So we have to make sure we're, we're inspired and we have that balance and that's really important. Life Mm -hmm. balance. It's one of my goals for this year. (laughs) More of that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Audra. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Our New York fashion week podcast series will be running in a special daily newsletter. So to get our coverage directly in your inbox, be sure to subscribe on glossy.c. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. A special thanks to Aditi Songol, the producer of this podcast. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher and leave us any feedback you have.